Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Would you go with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, and I know we've stood up a few times today, but I'm going to ask you one last time to please stand to honor the reading of the Word of God. For the grass withers, the flower fades. But even in this situation, even in our culture, even in this day and age, even in 2020, the word of the Lord will stand forever. It was here before we got here. It'll be here when we're gone. And we will honor the word of God this morning. Second King, I'm ready to preach. Can y'all tell? Second Kings chapter six. We'll begin reading with verse one. And the sons of the prophet prophet said to Elisha, see now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, (laughs) then one said, it's always good to have one smart person in the group. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there. And made the iron float. Therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. There's a lot in that verse. That's meaty. Hallelujah. This morning I want to speak to you from the thought, still standing. Still standing. Uh Uh-huh. Still standing, awesome God, in the matchless name of Jesus Christ the Messiah, I thank you for your word. I thank you that the power is on the word. I thank you that you hold your word above your name. I thank you that you are the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. I thank you, God, that the word of God is the rock of ages and that we can wrap our lives around the word and not be moved by the winds of the day. Father, I thank you, Father, that you would use my tongue of that of a ready writer to write your message upon the hearts of men and women this morning in the matchless name of the name that is above every name of the name that is above every name every circumstance every situation every every moment every decision the name that is above all names the name that is above cancer the name that is above sickness the name that is above oppression the name that is above depression the name of Jesus Christ the soon and coming king we pray amen Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, as we look at this text, it's a meaty text, y'all. I love this text. We look at this text, we see that Elisha, the great prophet, he was the successor or the one that came after the prophet Elijah. Elisha, He's basically building a Bible school, okay? It's the school of the prophets. He is anointed. The anointing on his life has drawn the lives of other young men who are called into ministry. It's basically a Bible school. There's an anointing on his life. He's a mentor. He's a leader. He's one that is raising up the next generation of prophets. It is the school of the prophets. And so we see him there. He's developing these young men. And if you will, he's the schoolmaster of these young prophets. 
And I can see these young prophets in my mind because I went to Bible college and everybody was like out of high school going into Bible college and they were all goofy, you know? <laughs> uh, nobody had any, you know, very much experience. A lot of big dreams, giftings, callings, anointings, but they were in Bible college, myself included, because we needed to learn from someone who was um, before, had gone before us, someone with an anointing and something to impart into us. And that's what's happening right here with these young men. They're at the school of the prophets with the great prophet Elisha. And they come to him with a great idea. They've got this great idea. Young people have great ideas, right? And they came to him with a great idea. And they said, Master, we have a great idea. We have a great idea. The place that we're in, it's just too small. And more and more people are going to start coming and joining us. That vision. They're going to come start joining us. And we think we need to make some room. Come on. Look at your neighbor, even if you're social distancing, and say, make some room. Oh, come on, I know we've got some empty seats in the house. I'm not talking about social distance. I'm talking about in your life. Make some room. we got to make some room. When we what we have to understand here is that anything that God is doing, he is growing. Anything that God is in is going to grow. It may grow in a different stage than you think. It may grow in a different place. It may grow in a different way. It may grow and it not look like what we thought it was going to look like. But if God is doing it, he's going to grow because he is that kind of a God. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. He is ever living. He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't shrink back, honey. He rushes in. He is God all by himself. Besides him, there is no other. He's not your homeboy. He is God. He is God. He's, he's not personified. We see him and we, we relate to him in certain ways. And Jesus came and dwelt among us in flesh and blood. But God is God. He was here before you got here. He'll be here when you're gone. He is God. And that's who's there. And so <laughs> they're growing. They, they see growth right there. And we see Elijah. I love this. I love this. Elisha was the successor of Elijah, the great prophet of old. Elijah performed 16 documented, recorded miracles in his time. But Elisha, the predecessor, he performed 32 miracles, 16, 32, 16, 32, it's exactly double. 16 times two is 32. And I'm not a big math whiz, but even I can figure out that that's multiplication, not addition, okay? And I wondered why it was multiplication, because this is not in the New Testament. This is not after the Holy Spirit had come. The Holy Ghost isn't there. This is, at, this is before the dispensation of grace. This is OT, okay? This is 2 Kings Old Testament. And we see multiplication. And the only thing that I can ascertain about that is when God does something with one, he can double do it in somebody else because he's a big God. He's a great big God. And I, I'm saying this over and over again, and you're like, what are we in kids' church? I think we need to go back to kids' church so you can understand. He's a big, big God. He's an almighty God. He is an alpha and omega God. He is a beginning and an ending God. He does not care. He does care, but he is not shaken by what shakes us because he's God. He sits high. He looks low. He loves us. He is God. He is God. Double, 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 double. 
the miracles performed in Elisha's life than were done in Elijah's life because he is God. I've got that written so many times on here. I wish you could understand. Maybe God was trying to get through to me. Maybe he's trying to get through to you. Maybe something's happening in your life today that you need to be reminded. He's not your homeboy. He is God. Because our God has been big for a long time. Because our God is a God of growth. He's a God of increase. He's a flat out big God. He is an overshadowing kind of big. I said it. He's an alpha and omega kind of big. He is the one who flung his hand into the black night sky and stars appeared. That's the kind of big he is. He's so big he scooped out the ocean with his pinky finger. He's a big God. He's not confined to your box. He's not confined to your tradition. He's not confined to the finite of our minds. He is God. He's a big God. And that same God lives in you. Jesus. Woo. I got to watch. I got to, I got to stay on pace. Whew. That bad made me want to run around the room. The God of the universe, the God of the heavens and the earth, the God who said, let light be, and it hasn't stopped since he spoke it lives in you. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm back on my notes. Hmm, hallelujah. Push your neighbor or just look at him and say, make some room. They'd run out of room. They'd run out of room. Has anybody ever run out of room? I know y'all, I know y'all probably haven't, but I haven't. Anybody run out of room? So I see some of y'all not putting your hands up, but you know you got clothes in your closet, in the guest room closet. You got clothes. You know you bought a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, you and your wife and a couple of kids, and you had a baby. Then your sister-in-law moved in. Then your mama, mama come over, and you stayed. And then all your cousin them showed up. You're like, we got, we got two storage units now. We need to make some room. <laughs> I'm the only one that's ever had that happen. First time that... Um, I had somebody come and visit that my, my family, the Miranda side of my family, they were coming to visit us in Colorado and we had a little apartment. It was just a little two-bedroom apartment, but it was perfect. And they said they were coming. But this was the first time that the Mirandas had come to visit us ever. And um, see what had happened was. <laughs> we lived in Colorado and they were coming from Texas. And I found out that they were coming, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll go get some extra sheets. I'll get some more, you know, just barely moved into this apartment. And um, I'll go get some things that we need, some food and stuff like that. And I said, when are y'all going to be here? And they said, we just passed through Colorado Springs. <laughs> I had 45 minutes. I got, the girl had 45 minutes. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I did what any brilliant woman would do. I threw my hair up in a top knot, started cleaning my house. <laughs> We're trying to get everything, get it all ready for them to come. And when they get there, I'm like, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Had to repent for cussing 10 times in my head that you could have called me on that six-hour drive before 45 minutes in Colorado Springs. I'm just messing around. I'm holy. I'm holy. So they get to my house, and it goes a little something like this. In comes... I don't know if I should say their names. In comes Carmen and then Manuel. And then in comes Monica and Monica's boyfriend and Angel and Angel's girlfriend and cousin Lucio. And I'm like, <sighs> I have heart palpitations because my side of the family would be like, we're planning on coming to visit. We're looking at August. We're not looking like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God. 
gosh. But they're so cool. They're like, no, we'll sleep on the floor. We'll, sleep. we'll put the babies in the bathtub. We'll just put the blankets on them. It's fine. Honey, when I went to go look for a house to purchase, I was like, I need the biggest one in my budget. I need all the Mirandas to be able to fit up in here when they come. I needed to make some room. And God's telling some of you that you need to make some room. You need to make some room for things that you've forgotten about. You need to make some room for things that you've let go of. You need to make some room for some dreams that you, that you just thought were done. You need to make some room for some love that has gone away. Somebody in this room this morning needs to make some room. They'd run out of room and <laughs> they were expecting more. I love these young men. I love them because they were expecting more. I'm gonna just take a moment just to leave a leadership nugget right here for those of you who like this kind of stuff. It's not even in my notes. But one thing I love about these young prophets is that they see a problem. They're running out of room. But they don't come to the leader with the problem. They come to the leader with the problem and the solution. They said, hey, it's too small. Can we build? We've got an idea. Young men should bring older men ideas and solutions to problems. And before my 11-year-old gets mad at me, young men and young women should bring ideas and solutions. And so not only that, what I love is that when Elisha says to them, he says, yes, you can go and do that. I bless the project. One of those young people was smart enough to say, well, we appreciate that, Prophet Elisha, but we're not going if you don't go with us. We're not going to go if you don't go. We're not going rogue. We're not going to build our own thing out here, out from underneath your covering. What we're doing is we're saying, we believe in this. We have a vision for this. We want to build onto this, but we don't want to go unless you come with us. I'm not getting out from underneath my authority. No, thank you. No, because we're the young people, but you're the one with the wisdom and you're the one with the track record and you're the one that God talks to right now and we're going to say up underneath you. <laughs> and so Elisha says, yes, you can, we're going to go. So they're expecting more. Sometimes in our life we have seen, y'all, we have seen the same thing over and over and over and we begin to think that where we are is just simply where we're always going to be. We've always been here. We're always going to be here. There's a difference between tradition and stuck. There's a difference. Tradition is I make the sweet potatoes like my mama makes the sweet potatoes, and she makes them like my grandma made the sweet potatoes. That's tradition. Stuck is we never go anywhere. We always stay right here. We're comfortable like this. We don't grow. There's a difference. And, and they were t we, we get tempted to stay the same, the same in our thinking, the same in our giving, the same in our serving, the same in our dreaming, the same in our hoping, the same in our prayer life. But I want you to know that when you begin to expect God to increase you, you have to make room. You have to make room. You serve a God who never intended for you to stay small. He said the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. There's progression in this thing. That my family needs to progress. My dreams need to progress. My home life needs to progress. I need, he never intended for us to think small, live small, give small, serve small. In case you forgot, let me remind you about Ephesians chapter 30. 
Verse 20 that says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, dream, think, or imagine. But catch the end of this verse, y'all. According to the power that works in us. It has to work in us. God, I prayed for a cake and I didn't get a cake. God said, I gave you flour and sugar and butter. I gave you vanilla extract, boo. I, I gave you the mixer. I gave you the oven and the cake pan. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, dream, think, or imagine according to the power that works in us. It's got to work in us. Hallelujah. If we really believe that God is moving, then we have to make some room. These young men, they were so expecting God to increase them. They were so expecting more young prophets to come. They were so expecting an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Maybe not the Holy Ghost, but the word of the Lord from the prophet. I mean, it's in the Old Testament. Give them a break. But they were still, even without the Holy Ghost, they were expecting God to move and increase them. These young men were expecting. So they go down to the Jordan. I love this. They go down to the Jordan because that's where the trees are. That is a whole message in and of itself that I do not have time to tell you. But they left where they were to go where they, what they needed was. They couldn't grow without the trees. We have to leave what's comfortable and go where the trees are. We got to go where the trees are because we need the trees. So they go and they go down to the Jordan because that's where the tree was were. And then they have to do this thing. It's amazing what happens. God supernaturally comes in and chops all the trees down. Do you guys remember that? No, you don't remember that because it's not what happened. What they had to do was they had to go down to the bank of the Jordan River, pull out some axes, and work. They had to work. It's called the work of the ministry. But the, Pastor Parsley told us, let me tell you how you spell ministry. W-O-R-K. Get busy, boo. That's what he said. He didn't say boo. He didn't say that part. So he, you have to get down there where the trees are and you have to get to work. And they're excited and they're growing and they're moving and the kingdom, they're moving the kingdom of God forward. You guys, if you have never served in your local church, you don't even understand the feeling that you have when you have locked arms with your brothers and sisters and moved the kingdom of God forward. Man, I remember going to bed after I worked a full-time job and then went and volunteered in my local church, crashing out in bed, laying down exhausted, thinking my life mattered today. My life counted for the kingdom of God today. I was able to link arms with my brothers and with my sisters and serve in kids' church and serve in a food line and serve when it's something, what a pastor want? I, I, I'll just be there because when I get with them, we move the kingdom forward. There's nothing like that. I think there'd be more clapping if you understood more. Because there's nothing like that feeling. That whole thing compels me. It compels me to see the kingdom of God advancing beyond my house. Hallelujah. Ooh, I'm sorry. Boop, pull it all back. They're excited. And they're swinging those axes. And they're swinging those axes. And they're swinging those axes. 
And all throughout the bank of the Jordan, you could hear those axes making contact with the trees. <laughs> In my mind, I cannot do sound effects. I don't know why boys, guys seem to be able to do sound effects better than girls, at least this girl. I, because my brother can sound like World War III is happening with his mouth. He's like, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, in my mind, the axes are like, that's it. That's all I got for you, okay? It's like, that's it. But you can go with me, right? You can go with me on that. And they're down there and they're swinging those axes and it's just bouncing and ricocheting off. And all these axes are just going and the guys are hollering out at each other and they're sweaty and they're just working. They're, they're young prophets and they're working. And perhaps some of these young prophets were bigger than other ones and maybe some of them were more athletic. Certainly some of them were probably faster, but all of them were swinging an ax. And no doubt, trees began to fall down. How exciting. We've got progress. Our plan is coming together. But isn't it interesting how God can be doing something with all of us corporately and also doing something in us individually? Isn't it amazing how he, he loves all of us and he loves each of us? Man, he's a good God. And, and when this was happening, they were out there swinging, corporately swinging their axes and one individual had a personal tragedy. See, he had borrowed his ax. After all, he's a young prophet, y'all. This boy's eating ramen noodles. He, he probably got school debt. He's Sally Mae, he's breathing down his neck. Like, he's in the school of the prophets. He's eating ramen noodles. He doesn't even have an ax. He can't just go down to, you know, Ace Hardware and buy the latest and greatest ax, but he doesn't wanna be left out. He doesn't wanna be left out. So he puts himself out on a limb and he goes to someone and says, hey, we're doing something for God. We're doing something for Jehovah God. Can I borrow your ax? And another person said, absolutely you can. So here he is. And he's chopping this thing down. And he's doing his very best. And he's chopping and he's chopping. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden we see that his ax, after he's laboring and after he's doing what he has to do with this borrowed ass, he's, ax, he's swinging and he's swinging. And the head of the ax flew off and flew into the Jordan River. It flew off and it flew into the Jordan River. You guys, this is a big deal. Everybody, nobody knows. Nobody even knows this has happened. It's not like on the news, like everything else. It's, 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 a, it's a personal loss. It's a personal tragedy during a congregational moment. And what's so incredible to me is it, it, it's really a big deal for this young man. He, he's lost his ax head. He's lost his power, y'all. He lost his ability to progress. He lost his ability to move forward. He lost his ability to be a part of what was going on in the kingdom. And it landed in the Jordan. The Jordan River, oh yes, where Jesus was baptized. Yes, Jordan River, we can go to Israel today and it's an awesome thing. But if you look up about the Jordan River, there's a few things you may not know. The Jordan River, what doesn't run clean, loving, like, like really bright, clear water. The River Jordan is murky and milky and you can't see to the bottom. You don't know how deep it is, where you are, and you can't see to the bottom. And not only that, in the Hebrew text, the word, the name River, uh, Jordan River translates to, to descend or to flow downwards. He had lost, he had lost his power in a place that flowed 
downwards, down to the Sea of Galilee. And after Galilee, it would leave and continue to flow down, down further elevation in the topography of Israel, down to its final resting place, the lowest point on the face of the earth, the Dead Sea. If they didn't rescue that thing, it was going to the Dead Sea. Have you ever felt like you lost your power? Like you lost your edge? Like you lost your authority? Like you lost your dream? God, I served in your kingdom and something just came apart and I don't know where it went and I lost it. And it went down. I was planning to be part of what was happening, but I lost my edge. I lost my anointing. And not only, y'all, not only did he lose it, it was borrowed. He's now in debt. He's now in debt and he's lost his power. It's, a, it's not a good situation for this man. It's going down to a dead place. And, and perhaps when the young man was, I can just imagine when the young man was swinging that ax, it had to feel like, like the, the head of it. You had to feel it start to shift a little bit. Uh-huh. But I keep swinging. And I can start to feel it move more than it moved before. It starts to get loose, but I don't want to be left out. So I'm just going to keep. Because I look better when I'm swinging. Because I'm part of what everybody's doing when I'm swinging. And if I stop right now, they're going to know there's a problem. I got to keep swinging. He just kept swinging. And he had to have felt that thing start to come loose at the top from the wood and the iron. It had to have start coming loose. What did it feel like? What, what did it feel like? He just kept going. One more swing and I'll take care of my marriage. One more swing and I'll start to get my finances together. One more swing and I'll start to, I'll make that phone call and ask for forgiveness. One more swing. Just one more swing. I gotta keep, just one and if it's coming apart, one more swing and I'll call out to God. One more swing and I'll pray for forgiveness. One more swing. It had to have been coming apart in his hand. <laughs> Just one more swing is all I need. And then I'll stop and test. See, in the Old Testament, the way the acts were implemented together, the way they were put and fashioned together, <laughs> was from the hide of an animal. So, you know, when they, when they killed a cow or something, they took the meat and then they... they dried out the hide and the sinew. And that's how they would, they would use it for lots of different things. And the way they would attach the wood to the iron was with the sinew of something that died. And the hide or the sinew, and they would wrap it this way, and then they'd wrap it this way, and they'd wrap it this way, and they'd wrap it this way. So it would hold nice and tight. So they had to feel it when it started to come loose. But sometimes it's easier to ignore it because I still look like I got it. Keep looking straight ahead. <laughs> I'm not preaching to myself. I'm, re I'm preaching to you. <laughs> See, in the Old Testament, that's how, that's how they did it. And what I realized when I was looking at how they put together an axe, y'all, the way they did it was something had to die for it to be held together. Something had to give its life in order for the iron to stay attached to the wood. In our life, something, someone had to die 
to hold us together. There was a sacrifice that was made to hold you and I together. But just like in this situation, when we don't pay attention to the signs, when we don't pay attention to the shaking and the loosening and the snapping and the sounds of things coming apart at the seams, when we just ignore the sacrifice, when we ignore that which has held us together, we can cut loose and lose our edge. And flying off, I, 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 it's gone. I don't feel the anointing like I felt it before. I don't have a burden for the lost like I did once before. I lost it somewhere along the way. But praise God, I love this. Praise God, just like the young servant, when he called on the master, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That young, that young prophet, that young prophet, I love this in, in chapter, in verse five, the first thing we, the first thing we see him do, the first thing we see him do, the first thing we see him do is to say, ah, my Lord, over here, over here, there's a problem. There's a problem over here. I lost my ax head and it was borrowed. He, I have so much respect for this young man because he didn't say, he didn't say, well, it was probably faulty when I borrowed it and they should have told me, they should have told me that the ax had a problem in the first place. It's their fault. He didn't do that. You know what else he didn't do? He didn't say, oh, well, I, it was probably Ace Hardware's fault. I'm gonna take up an, um, uh, a court case and I'm gonna have some litigation against them because they created faulty axes. No, this, what this man did is he said, I will take responsibility. I will take responsibility because I felt it coming apart in my hand and I just kept going and now I've lost my power. Master! I lost it. And it was borrowed. Now I'm in debt. Oh, Jesus. He took ownership of it. Even in the midst of all the activity, I love this. Even in the midst of the activity, even when the others were busy cutting down trees, Elisha had time for this young man. Elisha stopped. So listen, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is happening in the lives of those around you, the master has time for you. The master has, no matter what's happening on CNN, no matter what's happening on MSNBC, no matter what's happening on your Facebook feed, no matter what's happening in your, in your socioeconomic situation, the master has time for you for you. He stopped. Elisha stopped. We used to have the saying in Denver, we used to say, when in trouble or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. In other words, if, you're, if your project is about to go down with the ship, you better let us know, hey, I need some help over here. But what we want to do is we want to come in still looking like Sunday morning. We want to come in still looking good. Glory to the Lord. Of, praise the Lamb of God. And I feel the head of the axe Breaking loose. But I can't tell you because it's probably the axe's fault, or it might be the person who let me borrow its fault, or maybe you're going to think something differently of me and judge me because I've lost my power. He could have even, there were some, many of them, and it was dense where they were. He could have even just quietly left and not told anybody he was leaving. He could have walked out on his calling. He could have walked away from his community. He could have walked away because he was embarrassed. 
that he lost it. But I have a lot of respect for this unnamed young prophet because he said, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. I need it. I got to get it back. And Elisha, Elisha had time for him. <laughs> no matter what you're going through, I want you to know in your life that our master, Jesus, he has time for you. This young man didn't have a title. He didn't have an appointment. We don't even know his name. But we do know that the master had time for him. Elisha, the wise prophet, oftentimes in, when you're looking through um, the artifacts, there's a picture of Elisha with a scroll in his hand, and it's to signify his wisdom and his brilliance, really. And he looks at the young man and he says, son, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? Another thing I love about this young man is that he had the wherewithal to look. He had the wherewithal. When that axe head went flying, he go, where, where did I lose it? He said, I lost it right over there. And it's in the Jordan River. And, and there's, there's no hope. There's no hope. He says, where'd you lose it? <laughs> and he says, he points to where he lost it. I love this. He said, show me Take me to the place where you lost your power. Take me to the place where you lost your edge. Mm. Take me to the place that you lost your anointing. Daughter, take me to the place where you lost your love in your marriage. Take me to the place where you gave up on your future. Take me to the place where you were dropped so hard you didn't think you could get back up. Take me to the place where you relapsed and didn't tell anybody. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you stopped having your devotions with the Lord and just started going through the motion. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you lost it. Interestingly enough to me, not very many months ago, I preached a message about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and, and Jesus looks down at Mary, and she bas he basically says, take me to the body. Take me to where it died. And I'm looking in the Old Testament, and I'm looking in the New Testament, and I'm seeing the interesting thing to me is that Jesus didn't say, take me to the party. He said, take me where it died. There, there's no reference of a grand opening celebration for the school of the prophets. The miracle happened when the problem was identified. Somebody needs to understand, you got to push past your pride, you got to push past what other people think and say, I lost it and I lost it right here. Because the miracle happens at the place of pain. The miracle happens at the place of loss. The miracle happens when all hope is gone. Why? Because God is not intimidated. Ah, just like Pastor Jason said, he's not intimidated by your impossibilities. Impossible is nothing to him. He does his best work in our most impossible situations. Ah, because that's when he gets glory. If you could have done it yourself, we might have doubted God. But when that axe had floated to the top, it was none but the Lord. It was nothing but the Lord. It was a miracle, a sign, and a wonder. What if the pain in your life was intended to be a miracle, a sign, and a wonder when God does the miracle for for you. Hey! We want to hide the place that got hurt. God said, that's where I do my best work. That's where I do my best work. How do I know? Let me show you. I'll prove it to you. A baby being born of a virgin, impossible. The Red Sea parting, impossible. 
Feeding 5,000 with three loaves and two fish, impossible. Raising a four-day dead, Lazarus, impossible. Bringing someone out of a financial disaster, impossible. Reaching your wayward, wayward friend or family member, impossible. Kindling love back in your marriage, impossible. We don't see miracles on opening day. We see miracles where hell has broken out. Because God shows up in impossible situations. And if you want to look at your TV screen, you might understand it's a good time for a possible God to show up in an impossible situation. According to the power that works in you. So funny. We want God to just come down and poof, like, like little bunny foo-foo, little bunny foo-foo, hopping through the forest, scooping them up, bob them on the head, hallelujah. And there is a time and there is a place, but what are you going to do with that anointing? What are you going to do with that anointing? What are you going to do with a God who creates miracles, signs, and wonders? <laughs> What's that song? How great is our God? Yeah, that one. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see, how great, how great is our God. That part, and all will see. I used to think, that's so great, God, you're going to show up, and all are going to see how great you are. And the Holy Ghost corrected me hard. I don't know how the Holy Ghost looks at you, but it'd be like this to me. <laughs> no. And all will see me through you. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God? And then it says, and all will see. How are they going to see it, church? How are they going to see it? They're going to see it through you. They're going to see it through me. And all will see. All will see how great, how great is our God. He's, a, he's, a, he's an impossible, he's a possibility working out of an impossible situation. He is God, like I said, all by himself. And beside him, there is no other. He will use who he decides to use. It doesn't matter if society chose you. It doesn't matter if the pastor nodded your way. It doesn't matter if oil was poured on your head till you look like a grease pig at a county fair. If God chooses to use you, then consider yourself chosen. And God wants to use Every single one of his children for hallelujah. Hallelujah. He does his best work in impossible situations. <laughs> the impossible is possible when the master shows up on the scene. He isn't intimidated by our impossibilities. He tells the young man, take me. Take me where you lost that thing. Not because he wanted to condemn him. Not because he wanted to point a finger at him. Not so that they could make fun of his shortcomings. No. So he could be restored. So his power could be restored. And so he could get it back. The Bible records that Elisha the prophet cut a stick and threw it into the water. And the iron, the heavy thing, was made to float. Ha! Matthew 11 verse 30 wants to preach right now. Jesus said, for my yoke is easy. My burden, is light. I will bring you up from a dark place. I don't care how heavy it was. I don't care how black it was. I don't care how hard it was to carry. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I make heavy things float. 
What had been heavy was now light and floating on the top of the water. What had been impossible was now in sight and within reach. So what happens next is very interesting to me. We see the prophet here and we see the servant, the the young prophet here and the ax head, it's now just floating. It's just floating out there on the top of the water on the Jordan River. There's like, and I'm sure there's still some guys that had no idea what was going on because we think everything in our life is a really big deal. And most of the time we're really so self-involved that we don't understand. Not everybody cares about your mess. God can do a great big miracle and do a great big thing and not everybody has to know how. It's just, it is what it is. You're not that important. You are, but you aren't. What do we call it? Oh, I had a, I had a roommate in Bible college. His name was Holly. And Holly, we used to call them vain imaginations. And we would joke about them. We would call them VIs. And she'd be like, I know. We would finish a youth service and she'd be like, Oh man, that second song, I really missed the transition. I know everybody is just thinking about how they're not gonna use me next week because I really missed that transition. And I was like, Holly, ain't nobody eating chicken wings right now talking about that transition. (laughs) Except in you. Except you. It's a vain imagination. We're thinking that everybody's thinking how bad we did. But God is right there dealing with this. These guys are still doing their thing. And and, and Elisha, the thing floats. This is so crazy. We see that thing float up, and the miracle has been performed. But the axe isn't back together. Okay? But when I find, what I find interesting is that the man of God, Elisha, says to the young prophet, y'all, y'all should read your Bible. It's a trip. He looks at him, and he says, take it up yourself. Mm. Now, God used Elisha to make that thing float because he's the prophet. He's the man of God. But then the man of God looks at the young man and he says, see what God did for you? Now you go take it up yourself. You go get that thing back yourself. We brought it out of a dark place. I bought it, brought it up from the bottom of the Jordan. It has not descended all the way down. It is now floating and within reach, but you have to go take it up yourself. So important. Go get it yourself. One translation actually reads, grab it. He looks at him, he says, go grab it. Reach down and grab it. When the miracle comes, it will require action. It will require action. It's going to require action. Oh, Pastor Charmaine, I hear the voice of the Lord and I'm trying to stay on task. But the other day we were worshiping, we were worshiping, we were worshiping during staff prayer. And I felt, God, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I felt the Lord say, what are you gonna do when you get up from worship? Well, you're in here worshiping me and I want you to worship me. I made you to worship me, but I also need you to lead. I also need you to do something with the presence that I gave you. I also need you to do something with the power that's flowing inside of you. I also need you to get up from this position of worship and lead. Jesus was a leader. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so we could worship and get up and lead. Pastor Christie, I'm not a leader. If you have a household, you are. If you have a job, you are. If you have a circle of friends that you influence, you are. What do you do when you leave this place with the presence of God, the anointing of God? Do you lead? The miracle comes and it requires action. When the miracle comes, it requires actions. action. James chapter two and verse 20 reminds us, faith without works is dead. 
You have to grab it. You have to pick it up yourself. Your pastor cannot receive it for you. Your mother cannot go get it for you. Your dad cannot go grab it for you. When the miracle comes, you have to take it up yourself. You see, I don't know how deep it was out there that that ax head was floating, right? When the young prophet had to go out there, was he ankle deep in the water? Was he, was he waist deep in the water? I don't know. Maybe I got to get my power back. There's a, there's a miracle. It belongs to me. And it may be up to my neck, but I'm going for it. It may be up to my chin, but I'm going after it. I'm almost with it. It may be up to my nose and I'm on my tiptoes like, but I have to go get it. It may be uncomfortable. I had to get off the shore. I had to get wet. My robe got dirty, but I got my power back. I got my power back. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say today, I get my power back. Never has there been a time the church needed to have its power like we need to have it today. And you may have to step off the banks and it may be uncomfortable, but the miracle is happening and you have to get out there and get it. Elisha's name, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, but I'm sorry. Elisha's name in the Hebrew translation is Jehovah Saves. Elisha goes to save the servant's axe head. I want you to know that God, our great God, Jehovah, has already come and to save that which was lost. Elisha, check this. Elisha breaks a stick off of a tree and he throws it into the water. Perhaps, just perhaps, this is a type and a shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament, shadowing what happens in the New Testament. Perhaps when Elisha took that stick, that branch, may have, it represented the cross of Calvary and it was thrown into the Jordan River that may represent rivers of living water so that the heavy thing can arise. I want you to know when the cross of Christ meets the, the water of the word and the living water, hell rises out of your life and is dispersed. Dark things rise. Newness of life can come. God, I wish I could say it like I see it. Because it's all like a production in my head. Maybe when Jesus was cut from the true vine, and cast upon the water of humanity, it caused us to rise. Because when he goes down, we come up. And it causes us to come back. I'm not just talking about Salvation Church. I mean, that which was lost is restored, recovered, renewed. It's a comeback. See, when, when the servant got his ax head back, he got his power back. When he got his ax head back, he got his authority back. When he got his ax head back, he got his strength back. When he got his ax head back, he got his joy back and his ability to go forward. When he got his ax head back, when he got his power back, I believe there's some people in here this morning that you need to get your love back, that you need to get your passion back. You need to get your love for humanity back. You need to get the love for the local church back. You need to get your love for the lost, hurting people. We got to get it back. Some of you need to get your dream back. Some of you need to get your joy back. Some of you need to get your hope back. You need to get it back. It's floating on the surface. Reach out and get it back. Nobody's going to bring it to you and serve it to you on a platter. 
Bishop Jake said, when, God, when man needed a chair, God gave him a tree. You have what you need. You have what you need. What are you doing with what you have? Oh, I'm ending. <laughs> As I was reading, I began to put myself into the story. Because that's what I do. I try and sit down into the text. I try to see the people and the place. I try to hear what's going on. I, I try to see the water. I probably look crazy right now. It's all right. I can feel the sand under my feet. I can feel the Israeli breeze on my face. I can hear the Jordan. I can hear it. In my mind, I couldn't get any sound effects, but I could hear some axes going, right? And all of a sudden, I'm looking around at everybody that's there and the trees and the scene. And all of a sudden, I realize I saw this tree. Uh, I, I saw this tree, and it wasn't just any tree. It stood out to me because it had some chop marks on it. It had some really deep wounds in it. There was bark that had been stripped away in certain areas. And I'm looking at that tree, and I can see the marks, and I can see that it had some pretty deep trauma that tree did. And I realized something. The tree won. The tree, in this story, the tree won. Because see, Elisha, the prophet, he had a winning moment because God wrought a miracle through his hand. And the young prophet, he had a winning moment because he got his power back. He got his power back. But truly the ultimate winner in our text today is this tree. Because while everything had come against it, while every attack and every weapon that had been formed against this tree, there it is, still standing. This tree was still standing. I don't know if anybody heard me, but every attack that had happened from hell against this tree, it is still standing. And look at you, Cathedral Church, sitting in this service today after everything that's happened in 2020, after every naysayer, every hater, every obstacle, every cut down, every chop, every kick, every shake has come at you. You said, like a tree, I am planted by the river of living water and I am still standing. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.